On our latest mini-sode of Big Screen Scares, we're going to be talking about James Wan's newest film, Malignant. Or as it's also known, James Wan's Basket Case. Or as it's also known, James Wan's love letter to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The girls who cried be horror. Hi, everybody. Hi, guys. Welcome to our mini-sode about James Wan's newest film, Malignant. I do just want to do a disclaimer to start off that if I sound a little different today, echoey maybe, it's because I'm recording for the first time in my new adult home that I purchased. It's very exciting, but I all of the rooms are very empty at the moment, and I haven't quite figured out the sound, so I apologize if this does not sound pleasing to the ear. I will do my best. Yes, and as always, that is Alex. I am Anya, and we're so happy to have you all here, and we are so happy to be talking about this movie because it feels very appropriate, I feel like, to talk about on a podcast that normally talks about on main episodes mm-hmm. B-horror films, um, which we'll get into. But this was literally, like, what, just released, like, a week or so ago. Um, we're obviously pitching it as a big screen scare, which are uh, mini-sodes for films that are in theaters uh, that we encourage you to go check out for yourself. So, as always, if you don't want spoilers, don't listen because we're going to spoil. And let me tell y'all, there are some spoilers you don't want to know beforehand. You want to experience it for yourself. Um But if you're somebody currently that still doesn't want to venture out to the theaters or by the time you get around to it or or what the fuck ever your reasoning is, it's also streaming on HBO Max, I believe, until October 10th. It's part of that whole thing where they put it out at the same time, then they take it off HBO Max for a little bit, and then they put it back on again, whatever fucking mess that is. But we encourage you to see it in theaters because I really do think that like experiencing this madness like with an unsuspecting crowd has to be you know has to be experienced for oneself um but Alex what what are your initial takeaways from seeing this movie did you know at all what was going to happen in this movie when you went into it or no No. were you blind Mm -hmm. no lately I've been I've had this trend of going into horror movies completely blind not watching trailers not really reading anything about them just because I find that current horror trailers tend to give away too many kills too much mm. background and like it kind of ruins the experience and more often than not when i go into a yeah. movie without seeing anything i enjoy it 10 times more so especially for a james wan film because he has not been really doing horror as of late you know he's done more of the action stuff with the fast and furious films and aquaman um mm-hmm. so when i saw that a new james wan horror movie was gonna drop i was very excited but i went in completely blind all i knew was that it was named malignant and that he's directed it and that was all i knew um and i'm so pleased that i didn't know anything else it was like almost serenity level but not quite um because nothing will beat serenity honestly well i feel like we we definitely i know for a fact we talked about serenity on here before i don't remember when it was but i know that we did um but yeah serenity it's like similar in the sense of like yeah the like Whatever you think it is, like, even if you're on the, uh, like, on the right track, like, you aren't prepared for when the ball drops in the third act. Like, you'll never get it fully. You might get close, but you, there's no way on God's green earth you're going to fucking predict. Um, But the thing I'll say about Serenity is, like, Serenity was, like, it felt, like, very much trying to be, like, a serious Mm -hmm. drama that is, became such camp because it was, like, they're not in on the joke. And the rest of us are, where this 
And I feel that I have the authority to say this because I was part of this party when I first watched this. Um, because I went in and obviously, you know, as you said, James Wan's been away from horror, it feels like, for a minute. And obviously, you know, he's created such good horror. He's created Saw. He's created, you know, The Conjurings, the first to be directed, Insidious, uh, which I fucking love Insidious. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of what I went in expecting. And it's not really that. Um, there's definitely elements of James Wan where you can recognize, but it's not what you expect. So when I was watching it at first and it's playing out, I was watching it with roommate Abby and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I literally was like, is James Wan okay? Like, what is going on? Um, and it wasn't until I kind of gave myself over to the experience, it was hit with the third act and then let it all like simmer and sit with me that I was like, oh my God, I get it. Like, this is all like intentional like, he intentionally made, legitimately, like, camp. Oh, yeah. He made, intentionally was, like, drawing on, like, 70s and 80s, like, B-horror, like, elements. Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this, but, like, also, like, giallo and shit like that. Where it's, like, I think what was jarring to me is, like, so rarely do we get that nowadays in general. But so rarely do we get that, like, from, like, a big budget, like, horror movie slash horror director um that's kind of stuff that's relegated either to the past and or like to like more independent films so I think like because I wasn't in the right mindset I was like rejecting it somewhat I was like what is this this is bad but then honestly and truthfully I'm not even trying to be funny like since then I'm like actually it's kind of a little bit of work of genius and it is whether you like it or not at the end of the day like this will stand the test of time and it will become a cult classic Oh, yeah. It's funny because I think we had kind of different experiences because from the jump, from the opening sequence, I kind of knew exactly what I was getting myself into with that Mm -hmm. fucking, like, scene where all the doctors are scrambling and the electricity is going crazy and they're like, Gabriel, and it's very high Oh, it throws you the fuck in. Yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, okay. This is where we're starting. I understand. Yeah. And, like, I actually find, for me, I see a lot of James Wan's signature stuff. In this film, I mean, I think the opening sequence, mm-hmm. if you've never, if you didn't know who made this movie and you just watched the opening title sequence, you know it's James Wan because it's like that saw score with like the quick cuts. Oh, yes. It's so obvious. I mean, I think a lot of the aesthetic was very um, similar to his aesthetic in The Conjuring. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that for me, I think this film is a well-done version of what he was trying to do with Dead Silence. You can come for me if you want, but like Dead Silence is a movie that I I really appreciate. I don't think it really quite works, but I admire the ambition behind it. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the twist in this film is somewhat similar to the twist in Dead Silence, if you think about it. And I think it has that level of camp and like tongue-in-cheek humor that I think he was just wasn't quite like hitting on the head with Dead Silence but it works so well for this film so I feel like I've seen all of his past films influencing this and and like doing all of those things better in this movie does that make sense? Yeah no I I, I completely agree and I was definitely seeing other people online do the same thing where it's like Dead Silence like whether you like it or not like critically like people people were not ready for it or it didn't mm-hmm. quite hit the mark and it feels like he took some time really built up even more credibility as a horror director, as a director, as whatever. Um, 
then got that fucking big studio money again and was like, mm-hmm. okay, round two. Um, which apparently he wrote it. It was written by three people. Him, some other person. Sorry, I, I don't have their name on top of my head. But also his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like so iconic. So iconic. Um, but yeah, Dead Silence was one that I remember. I revisited it maybe like a year or two ago. Like, like as a full like adult. Mm-hmm. But I remember like seeing parts of it when I was younger. And like. It did scare me when I was younger because it is that, like, very dark and, like, all the dummies. And, yeah, the twist. So, right here, right now, y'all, fucking turn it the fuck off if you don't want spoilers. Because the twist in Dead Silence is the whole thing where it's, like, they're being puppeted, human puppets. And it's, like, it is, like, so fucking, like, I remember the first time I saw it when I was little, I was, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it blew yeah. my fucking Because they brain. do that, like, the saw sequence reveal, too, of, like... Oh, the it's like the exact same score yeah. and it's like showing you everything that you've seen but putting it together for you it's so good oh my god it's so good um unfortunately when i rewatched knowing the big reveal mm-hmm. and kind of just like seeing it as a whole didn't really love the thing that i was very bothered by donnie Wahlberg continuously like shaving his neck beard i was like <laughs> get a fucking life i was like too much um but yeah and then in malignant the big third act reveal which is fucking absolutely nuts bananas is that she had the entire time the lead um a tumor that was a um parasitic twin that they kind of like detached from her but couldn't detach fully so then they like kind of like pushed it into her brain (laughs) and it like went dormant and then it was awoken when her abusive husband smashed her head against the wall and um was then taking over her body. The thing is, like, it's so hard to explain the third act reveal without, like, going through everything else. But did you – I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you didn't see the trailer. I had I had seen the trailer multiple times because, you know, I go to the movie theaters a lot. Mm-hmm. Unless I'm going to close my eyes in the theater, like, I'm going to see all these trailers multiple times. Um, and I thought the trailer was, like – I was, like – even seeing the trailer, I was, like, I don't – uh. I don't know what this is. Like, I was like, <laughs> this feels confused. Um, but I was like, whatever, I'm going to trust James Wan, like, yada, yada, yada. Um, but I felt, so my question for you is, while you were watching it, did you feel, like, when did you feel you had it figured out? Like, did you ever think you had it figured out? How far did you have it figured out? Because I felt like I did pretty well. I'll yeah, I mean, I, like, really fucking suck myself off for like my ability to figure out twists in films in general but mm-hmm. I felt like it was pretty I, I mean I don't think it was like a huge surprise I think if you've never really seen a lot of like 80s horror maybe you wouldn't pick up on it yeah um, because like I I mean I very much think this is very similar in a lot of ways to basket case so I already have that like pre-knowledge in my brain that like that kind of thing can happen yeah. And I think if you've never seen something like that, you know, why would your brain come up with it? But, I mean, you see Gabriel and his, like, little parasitic body, like, in the opening sequence, like, through the glass. You can, like, see right. it. originally, like, see it. And I was like, okay. And as it went on, I mean, I, the twist I thought was going to be was I thought probably, like, 40 minutes in. I was like, okay, so I think, obviously, it was her in the opening, like, that she was a little girl. And I think she had a conjoined twin that they detached. Mm-hmm. And then I think somehow he lived on and they thought that he died. And then this is him right. like, doing something. So I didn't think that he was literally using her body as a puppet, which is visually, it's so fucking creepy 
And like, because mm-hmm. it's creepy before you know that it's her body because he's moving in these weird ways. So like my brain thought, oh, well, because he is some kind of conjoined twin that's maybe not fully formed, maybe he has like less like bone density and he can like bend his body in different ways. So I thought, okay, I gave it like leeway with that. And I also thought mm-hmm. maybe there was a supernatural element because he obviously has yeah. electricity and he was like showing up um, very lights out-esque with like, when the lights would go out, like he would be there. Yeah. And when they come back on, he'd be gone. So I thought, okay, so maybe it's like somewhat supernatural. Maybe he's just like super bendy. So that was creepy in and of super itself. Super bendy. And then when you fucking find out that it's just him, like Voldemorting from behind her head and like yeah. twisting her limbs to be his limbs, terrifying, disgusting in the best way. I fucking loved it. But I did not, you know, that was the one bit I, I missed. But I would say about 40 minutes in, I figured out 90% of it. Yeah, I mean, once again, I saw the trailer, and the trailer, for me, because I'm not trying to spoil shit for myself, so I'm not going to, like, before I see the movie, be like, I'm, I'm going to figure out what this is. Um, but the trailer kind of implies, like, this whole, like, you know, my my dark imaginary friend, you know, bit. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So I know that they're attached somehow. It's not like this random dude that's, like, running up on her or whatever. Um, so I do that going in, which I'm pretty sure, even if I hadn't, you could figure that out. But yeah. Abby, so funny enough, had like hadn't seen her trailer, but she had like seen like headlines about it or like people reacting somewhere, and everyone was saying like everything in this movie, whatever the fuck you think, is so worth it for the ending, so worth it for the ending, for the big reveal. So we went in knowing there was gonna be some huge thing at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole time I'm, we're like, okay, okay. The whole time as I'm like kind of rejecting this in my brain at first, being like. Okay, James Wan, whatever the fuck you're going to pull out better be worth it. And then we got to a point where we were like, it was kind of like putting the steps together, like very early on, kind of similar to you, where I was like, okay, so clearly she was also in this hospital. Clearly they were conjoined twins. And at first I was like, kind of what you were saying, where I was like, okay, he got separated. They kept him there because he's evil. He's like a devil child somehow that controls electricity. Um, And then he escaped. Or I was like, they killed him, but he's so evil, Michael Myers style, like, mm-hmm. he, he lives on and can manifest or what the fuck ever. So I was like, if the whole reveal is going to be them telling us that they're twins, I was like, um, that's so stupid, because, like, how the fuck would you not know that already? Mm-hmm. So, of course, we're waiting, 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 and then you get to the fucking scene that you might have already had this shit spoiled for you, and hopefully you're not fucking listening if you haven't watched it, but, like, where she's locked up in jail because, of course, in Giallo style, she's, like, witnessing these murders and it's, like, very suspect. And, of course, it's, like, tied to people from her past, also Gabriel's past, but we don't know that. Or they don't know that, rather. Um, so, of course, they're, like, lock this bitch up. Like, she's crazy. She's killing people. She's in this fucking jail cell. Not, like, not in prison, just in a jail cell. Big-ass jail cell with all these other women. Fucking Zoe Bell like such a fucking crush on her mm-hmm. i didn't recognize her at first and then i was like wait a minute i literally paused it and i had to like look i was like <gasps> miss zoe bell living um but essentially like they like gang up on her in this jail cell they're like look at this prissy bitch let's beat the shit out of her and then as it's happening they're simultaneously everybody else is figuring out like oh my god well yeah gabriel was like the parasitic twin but they didn't remove him fully they pushed his like remaining tumor body into her brain and he's now awoken again and is taking over her so like gabriel is doing the killings but just using her physical body to do them 
And as it reveals, this bitch like goes like blacks out. The back of her skull opens and out comes this like tumor baby face. Very <laughs> Belial, King Belial. And takes over her body and it is fucking absolutely nuts what then happens. As she like full carnage takes out everyone in the cell, moves out into the police station, takes everybody out there. And the whole time, as you were saying, doing that like creepy, cause like, because Gabriel's face in theory is on the back of her head mm-hmm. and he's in control. He is running forward, but it, the body is running backwards. Yeah, it's great. Um, which something that I read, which only makes you love it so much more is they had uh, like a contortionist dancer or whatever that was like the stunt person doing that. Um, but so much of it was practical. So they originally thought like, even when we do these fight sequences, you know, we're going to have to shoot them like in reverse essentially. Or like shoot mm-hmm. them and then like play it back in reverse mm-hmm. so that this person's running backwards. Because like, how is this, you know, person going to like do all this shit backwards? She did. Incredible. She did all of the stunt work, like flailing, beating the life, killing people backward. While on top of that, because she has to wear this other shit because when this is all happening, forgive me, what's the lead's name? Is it Emily? Uh, it's Emily or Madison. She has two names. Oh. Oh, because, you're right. She does. Madison yes. is her name that she grew up with, but Emily was her, her like birth name. Right. So Emily is like unconscious for this. So her head is on the other side. So this stunt actress was at the same time doing all the shit backwards, wearing a like uh, prosthetic mask, like mold they made of the actress's face. Mm-hmm. So like it's it's absolutely fucking nuts. Like honestly, it was so fucking baller that I was like, I don't even care if this is CGI. I don't give a fuck. But to know that it was practical on top of everything else. That's oh my God, James Wan. You know what? I... So much respect, I can't even verbalize it. I I love that. Wow, I didn't think. I, yeah, I never really thought about how it was done, but that's amazing. I love that. I think the way that I will say, as much as I love this film, one thing that doesn't quite make sense to me in terms mm-hmm. of plot, and you can tell me if you have a, an answer or anything. Okay, but because I was going through the film, kind of assuming either he had like a weird body or was dead, I was really allowing the fact that he could like jump down fire escapes and like do all these insane things like oh because it's probably like not his he he doesn't have a normal human body but when you find out it's just her you're telling me she's waking up every time and not like incredibly sore from having her arms like (laughs) twisted backwards and like right throwing her body on the ground it's a little bit suspicious there but you know what at the end of the day that kind of stuff i have to let go but. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I was also reading an article where, like, James Wan, he was almost co- quoting something he said in the past or whatever, but essentially being like, he's not interested in his movies in, like, making anything, like, reality-based. Okay. Like, when he does his Fast and Furious movie and they, like, mm-hmm. drive a fucking car through two, scra- two, through two skyscrapers to land in the third one, like... I don't think we're working on, like, could this really work? Yeah, and usually right. if you're going to, like, a, a crazy movie like that, like, you got to leave the latchkey at the door. Um, not always. Not for every movie. But, you know, if that's your shtick, you know, sure. My thing. So I don't have an answer for you. That makes perfect sense. Because, I mean, I do nothing in a day. And then I'll wake <laughs> up the next day and feel like my spine is, like, severed in half. And I'm like, Jesus. And, you know. So God forbid if something, some tumor I didn't know about in my brain was taking over me making me run up in these streets and do parkour. Um, yeah, my knees would be aching. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, 
what, what I don't know if they answered it and I missed it. The electricity thing. <laughs> There's just like I, I think at that point you just have to accept like okay clearly this like parasitic twin because the whole thing is like um there's a word for it it starts with a t um but essentially there are people that like get these tumors essentially that are like these things mm-hmm. um uh where they like grow like muscle and sometimes they grow teeth sometimes they grow hair like where james wan like his wife had like researched this stuff or whatever and he was like oh my god so how can I, like, take this to, like, a really fucked up, like, horror place? Okay, we're going to make it, like, a full parasitic twin and really take, like, really drive home that word, like, parasitic. Mm-hmm. And I think he just put it up to another level of, like, well, it's so evil because, you know, he wants to murder. He doesn't want to share his, like, twin with anyone. So, like, murder anyone that gets in the way. Um, he... In theory, medically, this do- would never happen, obviously. Like, where it's like, he's been lying dormant and now he's awoken mm-hmm. again. Like, that's very much like playing into the whole, like, he's so deeply evil. Um, so I think, like, the electricity thing, which, when you th- when you think about it too hard, like, you're just going to fuck yourself. Because it's yeah. like, okay, sure, it's supernatural, but, like, why did we need it? Like, so we could, like, get his voice without having... I guess, in theory, it's like, so he could talk. Because otherwise... The only way he would talk in theory is, like, I guess using his sister's mouth, which Mm -hmm. then we would know from the jump, like, okay, he's controlling her. So that, like, diverts that. But it's just, it's such a, such a choice that has no um, real, you know, reason, no real explanation. But at that point in the movie, when you're thinking about it, because I feel like the moment you would real, you'd be like, wait a minute. So what was the electricity thing would be once the vinyl reveal happens of like, he was a tumor in the back of her head. You're just like so out of your fucking mind at that point trying to yeah. process that like it, the electricity thing doesn't matter anymore. That's yeah. something that comes to you like days later when you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I think they don't, I don't think that they really explain the electricity thing. And they also, you know, many times throughout the film refer to him as like the devil. And again, yeah. they also don't really follow up on that in any kind of like explicit way so i mean i think he just kind of throws a lot of things at the wall of like he is a parasite he has supernatural abilities to control the electricity maybe he is the devil maybe he is a demon you don't really know and i'm okay with that right and i think it's important to note that like yes there's this big twist you know that's so obviously like campy and crazy and blah 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 but it's the way that you know that it isn't just like oh a bad movie with like I guess a crazy twist ending the difference between that being something like that is that the whole time it's so campy it because and you know that everyone knows because Mm -hmm. like the performances that people are turning in like yes if you're looking at them critically like with a dramatic eye like yeah you're like what are y'all doing but it's like if you know that it's intentional camp it's like this high drama like there's there's a one moment when she's like the sister's like getting told she's like i'm adopted and like they bring in this like mm, like music and she's like wide-eyed just like staring at her and they hold on it for like just too long and you're just like and of course if you're not quite clicking with it yet and you don't realize you're like geez one once again are you okay like what the fuck is going on when you know though you're like oh my god so funny so smart and that's the thing that I feel like people forget especially I feel like I guess like casual horror watchers because not everybody is like us not everybody is gonna 
watch a lot of horror, watch a lot of, as we do specifically with this podcast, watch a lot of horror that ends up being very campy or whatever, where like, mm-hmm. I feel like people forget that it's like, yes, there's horror comedies, which are outright like, ha ha ha, this is meant to be funny. You know, before you even go in, it's a horror comedy. Like, and I love those. I also love straight up like dark fucking scary horror. But there is that beautiful middle ground of the campy horror where it is like, it isn't like we've written in jokes per se into the script, but the way that we're going to like make this all come together with like the over the top performances and reactions and like the practical effects and the reveals are so ridiculous that like, sure, you might be scared by some of them. Cause there was definitely moments in this, like one or two where like, it was scary. It spooked me. It's like, Oh, that was a good jump scare or whatever. But for the most part, you're supposed to watch it to like, have a good time to like be there for the experience and the ride of the movie and that doesn't make it not horror but not every horror movie that you watch has to be like oh my god blood curdling screams i won't be able to sleep tonight like you can just enjoy something like for the experience yeah absolutely i mean i think that this movie is very intentionally tongue-in-cheek very intentionally campy i mean that moment of her telling her sister that she was adopted is Hands down, my favorite moment in the movie. I laughed so hard when they fucking yeah. zoomed in on her face and the score kicked in because it's just like, it's just very soap opera-y in the best way. Oh, yes. And I think that if he, I think if he just did that kind of like one note the whole time, it might have gotten old for me. But I think this film has so many different influences throughout as like, as it goes on that makes it very layered in a lot of there's a lot of depth to it because I mean you have his own you have his signatures in there from like the score is very much his signature I mean the twist again I think is like very James Wan and then you have obviously all the giallo influences not necessarily with like fully with plot because there are some you know elements of a classic Italian giallo that are not present here but I read a, a good article in Bloody Disgusting where he talked about how this was his version of a giallo. You know, he took a lot of inspiration from films like Phenomena and Tenebrae, and he wanted to bring his own spin to it. So, like, you get the aesthetic of the classic giallo with, like, the, the neon bright colors. You get the gloves on the killer who's going after the woman. You have the really, really graphic gore, like the one sequence where she's in the bed and he climbs on top of the male doctor and he takes his, like, sword and stabs him viciously in the face. It is so graphic mm-hmm. and like kind of jarring because up until that point, you haven't really seen too much gore. Um, and like all of those elements are very much uh, reminiscent of Giallo's. But then you get the third act with this twist where it kind of like goes full 80s camp, you know, fucking mm-hmm. twin on the loose. The way like the there's a scene where they go to the police after she's seen him for the first time and they like show the like drawing that someone has done of her like memory of him and it's so fucking funny because it's just like this tiny little weird like creature with like beautiful hair yeah like he would be on like the cover of cover girl i just think it's so funny and like all of that together really makes it a very like polished like full film for me because it's not just one thing it is so many different things the camera work is incredible there's a moment Mm. where She's running in the house because she's being chased or she thinks she's being chased by somebody. And it it's like an um, it's a shot from above and you could watch her like going up into each of her rooms. Mm-hmm. And like, do, you, do you remember what I'm talking about? It was so fucking good. It's just like campy and 
clearly influenced by other like really incredible horror films, but also like has just is just like really, really, really well made in terms of like a director. Yeah. No, I mean, it, everything you're saying, I completely agree with, with the influences. I was also looking at an article that was, like, you know, talking about, like, films that clearly had influence over him or whatever. Obviously, a lot of, like, Dario Argento, um, you know, the uh, Basket Case, of course. Um, which, if y'all have mm-hmm. not seen Basket Case, highly recommend, and it will be a movie that Wink Wink Nudge Nudge we will be doing on this podcast in the near future. So, we won't speak on it anymore, but... If you know, if you've seen Basket Case, there's no denying that there is Basket Case influence. But something mm. that I saw that I thought you would love to hear is that they also felt there was inspiration from Wes Craven's My Soul to Take. Interesting. Because um, of the whole, like, a serial killer's, like, soul being, like, split between people. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wouldn't say it's a reach, but it's, like, it's not as close as a comparison as in like, Basket Cases. Um, but, you know. Sure. I mean, because they were talking about, like, and he kind of did something like that, Wes Craven, with Shocker prior to My Soul to Take, mm-hmm. with, like, a serial killer, like, living on. And I don't remember. Gabriel never killed anybody in her body when she was little, right? Because there was that scene where she's, like, at her parents' bed with a knife. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't actually go through it with it. No. Because That's when they bring her in and they do the surgery, right? Yeah. No. no. So he's he's already been removed at that point she gets a doctor right. after they push him into her brain but he's still in there and he's still trying to he's communicating <gasps> oh, right her. i remember and he's trying to get her to kill the baby because he knows that once the baby comes she's going to forget about him because she's going to have somebody else that she can put her energy and focus on and that's what happens so luckily he never gets her to kill anybody and i would assume he doesn't kill anybody before the surgery although they do make note that like you know he causes her to be violent near the end before they um, remove him. Because he is, Mm -hmm. you know, he's using her nutrients and her energy and he's, like, living off of her. And he's too small to, like, physically be able to walk or do anything on his own. So he couldn't hurt anybody, but he can, like, you know, make her hurt people. But I don't think he ever successfully did until, um, you know, the events of this film. Yeah. Um. But yeah, something I'll say which made me think of is like kind of coming back to what I was saying at the beginning as somebody who watched this and kind of until the end when I was like, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it and now that this crazy ass ending is happening, I I was too quick to judge. I was too quick to shut off to what I was being shown. I, I, I think two things. If you've already seen this and you are like, I don't think it was good. I don't like it. I highly recommend you know it's a perfect time to do it girls it's halloween season rewatch that horror movie rewatch it with new fresh eyes and like just be more willing and open to it um but i would also say to whether you've seen it already or whether you haven't and it's something that i struggle with doing all the time is trust the process (laughs) as um our saw episode should have taught me trust the process because like James Wan, for the other than I guess like the little like random shit like electricity that has no fucking payoff, um, he knows what he's doing even from the jump. I mean, past the crazy opening and the crazy credits when we meet our lead, um, she comes home. She's like a nurse or whatever, and her husband's like on the fucking bed watching whatever. Doesn't get up to greet his like fucking pregnant wife. Like he, just like a piece of shit from the jump, and they have mm-hmm. this this like 
altercation that like seems to like escalate so fucking quickly. And like you can already you can already tell like okay, he's like scary-ish. He's like an abuser probably. So, I feel like most time when you see like this shit in a movie like an abuser, it's like being really rough with somebody or like slapping them or like whatever. Not that any of that's okay. It's not. This motherfucker, like, literally, when she, like, tells him some shit, he, like, takes her by the fucking head, like, in the palm of his hand, and, like, in the quickest motion ever, like, slam dunks her fucking skull against the wall, and it was so quick, and it was so violent, that I was so jarred, both Mm -hmm. me and Abby were jarred, we were like, Jesus, God, like, I was like, I know that it's a movie, I know that it's fake, but then, of course, that whole time, we're like, what the fuck? Also, we were like, she's a nurse. Like, she's bleeding from the back of the head. Like, she needs to do something. Yeah. Like, she's constantly bleeding like, from her head the whole film. And she's always like, I know. I Ugh. literally later on after these events have happened and she's bleeding from the head again. I'm like, shouldn't you go to the doctor? Like, bleeding just like on her pillow. I was like, shouldn't you be like a tiny bit concerned? But when that happened, mm-hmm. I was like, that was such a choice to make. Like, that's how he, they're going to show that he's abusive. Like, smashing her skull on the wall. Like, God damn, that was like so violent. And it's because the smashing of the skull, specifically the back of the head, is what like reopens that wound, thus awakening Gabriel. So it was like when I put that all together at the end, I was like, oh, once again, it's silly, but it's intentionally like silly. It's not meant to be this like, oh my God, and like the layers of meaning. It's like, no, it's just like he had to do this so he could get to this fucking crazy place and have a good time along the way. Like that was the whole point. So like, I don't know that you're going to find like really, really deep, like valuable, like life-changing meaning in this movie, but like there is a method to the madness. And if you want to have fun, you will. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a fucking blast from the opening sequence all the way till the end. I mean, I rewatched it again um, before we started recording. So I've now seen it twice in the last week. Um, and I mean, it's just, it made a lot more sense uh, on a second rewatch. You know, it answered some questions that I kind of like had and didn't really mm-hmm. think about again until I watched it again. So I, yeah, I agree. I implore you if you've already seen it and you liked it, or if you didn't really care for it, maybe to go in again with fresh eyes and like maybe go in with the understanding that like maybe you didn't like it because. It seemed bad, but now maybe having the knowledge that, like, it's intentionally supposed to be, like, over the top and campy. Maybe you can, like, you know, have fresh eyes to it. Maybe not. You know, not every film is going to be adored by all. But I do think that, for the most part, it's being really well received. I know that James Mm -hmm. Wan was saying um, in the article, at least that I read, that, you know, he'd been kind of, you know, defined by his past films a lot. He was saying, you know. Yeah. You know, when Saw came out, he was the torture porn director, which I don't think is fair just because, you know, I get people thinking that Saw is torture porn, but like that does not make him a torture porn director. Um, And then Mm -hmm. obviously with the the huge success of Insidious and The Conjuring films, you know, then he became the paranormal guy. And then, you know, he moved on to action and he didn't want to be defined. So he just wants to continue to make things that are like outside of his wheelhouse, something that he's never done before, something that will surprise people. And so I think that was a big part of why he made such a fucking batshit crazy movie that, you know, I think aside from Dead Silence is very unlike everything else that he's made. And Mm -hmm. that's why I love him as a director because like, I don't want to see something over and over and over again that's the same. I think, you know, especially as somebody like him who is a huge horror fan as well as like a horror director, 
there are so many different genres and subgenres and influences that you can pull on to make so many different kinds of films. And so I think, you know, at the end of the day, I think Malignant is kind of a feat. I think it's an incredible finished product. I also think when you think about the title and you've seen the Oh my God, I know. Sense, because it, it's malignant is like a medical term for like, like eating away at you and like decaying. And it's like used in like cancer terms. So like right, it makes like it literally a parasite eating her and like taking all of her nutrition and like killing her babies. And uh, it's evil. I love it. It's so, I know. It's just, it's he, he got everything. He like, there was no stone left unturned except for the electricity. <laughs> Which, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. I don't give a fuck anymore. Um, But, uh, yeah. The Malignant thing is so funny because it's like, you know, the fucking title of the film. And it literally was onto the credits rolling that once again, Abby turned to me and she's like, right. And then, of course, Malignant, the title. And I was like, oh, my. Like, literally, like, taking, like, three seconds to process. I was like, oh, my God. Of course. It was right in front of our eyes the entire time. Um... (laughs) But yeah, I think there's James Wan. The thing is, like, his legacy is gonna live on far beyond him. Like, so many great directors. Mm-hmm. It's even speaking just specifically about horror directors. Like, he absolutely is. And what I appreciate at the end of it, like, I appreciate all kinds of horror movies from all kinds of people. Whether it's someone that just wants to dip their toe into horror once, or somebody that you know wants to make it their whole gig. That's great. But one thing I'll say about James Wan is like, I feel like there's, there could be, it'd be so easy when you're getting like big studio money, whether even if you're just doing horror films, uh, whatever, to just kind of like throw shit at the wall and be like, yeah, I can turn in something that like people will Mm go, people will eat the shit up. I mean, I'm not going to speak on The Conjuring 3 because James Wan did not direct it, but that's a, that's a whole other fucking topic. I don't want to ever talk about Conjuring 3. We must forget. I mean- Patrick Wilson and his delicious cheeks live on in my mind forever, no matter what. He can do no wrong to me. But other than that, we will not be speaking about this. Um, But I just, yeah, I appreciate that, like, for all, like, you know, he's obviously a recognizable name. Even beyond horror now, as we've said, he did Fast and Furious. He did Aquaman. Um, That he is committed to, I mean, I haven't seen that Fast and Furious movie, I haven't seen Aquaman, so I can't speak on those. But obviously they're already part of like an already established franchise, like whether it's like, what Mm -hmm. is it, Justice League or obviously the Fast and Furious franchise. But when it comes to like the stuff that like he's creating, whether it becomes a franchise or not, there is a clear, it's, it's just very clear to me that like there is a passion there. It isn't just trying to like regurgitate or turn the same shit in. There's clear inspiration. He clearly loves and cares about this genre by both trying to turn in good content to become part of that full canon, but also like the inspiration he draws from is so vast and it's just, it's lovely. And I do think, yeah, I have to imagine that, you know, at the end of the day, even if you're the biggest horror fan on God's green earth, you could watch this even knowing everything that we've said, knowing it's campy, whatever, and still not like it. And that's valid. Not everybody has to like everything. Like, they really don't. We don't like everything. So, like, there's nothing wrong with that. But I do feel that a, a majority of people that are seeing this and reacting negatively to it are either horror fans that maybe didn't like me at first, like, get, because it is such a big studio release that you wouldn't expect it to be, like, fucking basket case level B horror. Or mm-hmm. it's people that 
are just casual movie watchers or whatever. And they're like, oh, let's go see this like crazy horror movie. And then you're like, God, that blue is so stupid. Because they have no like other like reference points to draw from. Like they're not familiar with B-horror or Giallos or any of that. So I would just hope that they give it a second chance. They go in with fresh eyes. Because I, I truly think that this is going to stand the test of time. I've seen people say that they think it's the best James Wan film ever. Which I don't know if yeah, I would personally say that. Same thing. Um, I mean, I just like have so much love in my heart and soul for Insidious. Um, but I feel like I'd have to do like a marathon of like all his movies to really get a final ranking. But yeah, it's good. It's good. And I, as someone that wanted to reject it and has now accepted it fully into my heart, um, I, I definitely recommend. Get to your theater as soon as you can. See with friends. See with the crowd if you feel safe enough to do so. Because I think it would be a worthwhile experience. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's my favorite story of his films. Just because, mm-hmm. like, I think Saw is, like, probably always going to be my favorite. But I do think technically it's probably his best work. I think from just the way that he moves the camera, the score, the writing, the obviously, like, all of the references and the influences. I think as a, as a whole, like, as a piece of art and as something that, like, he has created, I think it's really impressive. And I think it's the best thing he's made. Um you know, it might not be my favorite thing, but those are two separate things. And, you know, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, but I definitely think it will stand the test of time, as you said. And I, th- I can say from experience that it holds up on a second viewing. So check it out. If you have HBO Max or go to your fucking local theater and support mm-hmm. James Wan so that horror, film- horror directors, even though he is like a big name now, like it's important to support horror directors at any stage of their career because horror is incredible and it should be you know acknowledged as the amazing genre that it is and i don't think it gets enough credit most of the time so go support him go support this film and fucking laugh and you know what support miss mckenna grace continuously getting her fucking coin oh my god every time i see mckenna grace in a movie i'm like round of applause even if it sucks ass one minute round of applause because miss mckenna grace is here carrying this shit on her back as always i love that little bit the first time you see her it's like on a vhs tape and she has like it's like very grainy and she has this like awful wig with like these big bangs like covering her face and within like 15 seconds of her speaking I was like is that my kind of grace oh my god oh I started like, instantly I was instantly. like <gasps> yeah I love her She's and it's so icon. funny because this bitch was in what what was it Annabelle comes home um mm-hmm. so like they love keeping her in the James Wan verse um I know he didn't direct Annabelle comes home obviously it spawned from the conjurings but you know Miss McKenna Grace I love you and I wish nothing but happiness and success for you and I think that's where we should end this mini-sode um so, we hope that you guys enjoyed our conversation. We hope that you will check out Malignant if you haven't already. Um, this will be our last uh, release before Halloween, or excuse me, for October, where we have, of course, as always, a full-length regular main episode. We have some plans ooh, for some fun mini-sodes um, to come because, of course, October is the month that we're the most powerful, so we have to deliver. Um <laughs> And we wish you all, as you enter into, I mean, it's already spooky season, but as you enter into the height of spooky season in October, we wish you a wonderfully scary one. And we will see you guys next time. Or rather, we'll talk at you guys next time and you'll listen. Um, And as always, 
Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.